welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast, celebrating the radio show-turned-podcast, Too Beautiful to Live, in Boston, Massachusetts, adjacent to the palatial studios of WGBH Boston. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me for this Friday edition of the show in Kyle, Texas, the Cheddar Bay City, Mike Frizzell. Good morning, Mike. Good morning from the Insect Museum. <laughs> uh, are you preserving them as you catch and kill them? <laughs> yeah, I have them all in amber or pinned to little boards. <laughs> uh, also joining us on this Friday morning, our special guest today, uh, Kim Marson. Uh, hello, Kim. Howdy. Did I pronounce that right? Because we didn't go over that before we started. You did. You didn't bring back my childhood um, version of how it's usually said, which I'm not going to repeat. So you did good. Excellent. And you are in Chicago, am I correct? Yeah, suburb west of Chicago. Yeah, but generally Chicago. Which suburb? Because we have a lot of Chicago 10s who I'm sure would love to know. So Villa Park. It's right next to Elmhurst. Great. Now all we need is your credit card number and social security (laughs) number. I'd give them away, but you'd have no luck getting anything out of me. <laughs> Kim, welcome aboard. As you know, the Friday episode of the show is when we bring on a 10 or uh, or a Phyllis Fletcher or, or a clip. We talk about TBTL history and why TBTL matters, uh, as opposed to our Monday shows where we do a recap. And we are so glad to have you. And before we get started getting to know you with our sort of formal set of questions that we always ask, I thought it'd be nice for us to give people an idea of how you came to uh, get suckered into submitting to be on this show, which was because you sent me a message and we had a a pretty serious and varied conversation fairly recently uh, uh, due to some unfortunate recent news events and also because of some things going on in both of our lives that happen to be parallel uh, to one another. Um, Do you want to share with everyone uh, when you reached out to me? Yeah, so I was struggling around the Orlando um, Pulse massacre event, whatever we want to call it, um, tragedy. And I was out of town and then I came back to town and I was like, okay, they had the live show. And I I thought, well, give it till Tuesday. And then they'll start talking about the Orlando thing. And they didn't. And I was just so internally like my favorite people aren't talking about a tragedy that's so near and dear. I'm a lesbian, although that sounds weird. So I like gay 10. Um, so I was really struck by the event and, you know, not having the, the guys talk about it. I was like, wait, what does that mean for me? And, you know, am I still a part of this community? So I was really struck with it. So I just didn't listen to the episodes for that week. And then I just got fired up and thought, well, who can I reach out? Cause I thought I could post to the stuns page, but I was like, I don't want to get attacked so i thought you also remembered that the stens page is just a tire fire most days <laughs> mostly, yeah yeah so so i thought well i'll reach out to bobby and so i reached out to bobby and you were just so so loving and so gracious about you know helping me understand that you know they can't address everything i mean you can talk about what it is that you shared but just basically from my perspective i just felt really seen and really um felt you know, in in that global sense that, yes, this is an important thing. And, you know, the guys can't always talk about everything. Well, I appreciate your kind words about me. I didn't mean to set up for that. Uh, you know, really, you just sent me a message and, and I just wrote back. I mean, um, I know once in a while I'll get a message in an inopportune time. And so if I miss someone, it's just because it gets buried in other things. But um, generally speaking, I think all of us with LRB are 
pretty open to, to being contacted and Facebook messenger is usually a pretty good way to get most of us. Um, you know, Luke and Andrew are just so damn busy right. and they get pummeled. I mean, these guys get, and people will reach out to me once in a while or any of us and just say, Oh, I emailed Andrew and never heard back or emailed Luke and never heard back. And I'm like, these guys are getting right. tons of email. And it's not that yours wasn't important necessarily, but it's that yours was sandwiched between six Trump memes and someone complaining about audio quality and somebody else bitching about something stupid. And so, right. you know, it's just hard to keep track of all that. Um, but you messaged me about this and I'll, I'll tell everyone the insight I gave you, which is that I think it was probably just a combination of things. One, it was right over the live show weekend. So Monday show had been pre-taped, which meant by the time they got to Tuesday, my guess is that they probably didn't feel like they had anything to add to the discourse at a national level, uh, or from a news standpoint, you know, uh, the way news works, I think the Orlando shooting was already spinning out into third day stories by the time they got to it. And also I think they try really hard, although you wouldn't know it sometimes to not appropriate cultures that aren't them. So when they talk about women's issues, they make a real big joke about it. Right. Um, once in a while, if they dabble into race issues, they start to make it really clear that they're two white middle-class men. And I think with, you know, this is not a gay issue. This is a, a societal issue. It's a mass shooting. It happened to Im impact the gay community really heavily and seriously. Um, but between them not wanting to get into the politics of guns and them not being super in touch with gay culture, I think it was just a lot easier for them to move on. Although they did eventually bring it up. They sure did. They sure did. And I think I reached out to you and I was like, see, <laughs> or you said, see, I don't remember who said what, but yeah. And, and that was what I was trying to be careful about. Cause I didn't want to put anybody on blast. I was just feeling like, could you just say something like, Hey, we're all hurting from this. Mm -hmm. That That's all I was, was wanting. Well, not to speak for them, but I know, uh, after things like, like Sandy Hook and the Pulse shooting, um, I'm so angry. I can't speak rationally about it. You know, I can't have a conversation with someone about it. I can't be reasonable because, you know, I'm just guns gone, all of them yep. now. And that's all, that's all I can think. And I, and that's, I know that's not completely reasonable. So I can't have a reasonable conversation with anyone. I don't know. That's that's where I would be if I were them. It's just so angry making, and I'm sitting here with someone who is not going to disagree with me at all. So what are we going to, you know? But I, I see what you're saying is as far as like you know just a a shout out or something, you know. Well, just, and and part of you know we'll get into this. I know, but part of what I love about the community of TBTL and the guys and Jen and you know all the people who have been a part of the show is they all lead with their hearts. You know, they may cover it up with jokes, et cetera, but at the center of the community is our hearts. And so even Mike, what you just said to me, touches me. Oh. So you're feeling it, you're, you're seeing it and you have a reaction to it. So oh, to yeah. not say anything feels more like what, what happened? So <laughs> it's, right. it's more about that. Yeah. I think the important part when we were talking was to just be confident. I'm confident that it wasn't um, – an it, it may have been an active avoidance of the topic, but it wasn't an active avoidance of the community. It's no. just that I think um, – It was a landmine, really. Yeah, exactly. They'd rather not misstep. And they're so good at misstepping. 
on on much less critical things that to to have the potential of fucking up a conversation about about this yeah this very serious and grave thing and also you know this is really super depressing but if this was the first major shooting in a while maybe it would have been sure more impossible to avoid Right. But I mean, we're all just becoming so numb. I mean, I hope we're not. And I'm really trying not to. But I think societally, we're becoming so numb, even though this was the worst. Yeah. In the well, I think th- of- this one in particular, yeah, because it was the worst and because it um, it seemed like a hate crime as well. Um, I think it has actually done more to like galvanize yeah. against guns because – you know, these are, these are two issues that are intersecting in one terrible tragedy and two issues that, you know, we're, we're really, he- we've been headed in the right direction on one of them for a while and we're not headed in the right direction on the other one. So, you know, maybe this particular thing can spur some action. That's, that's how I thought it was. It was more, uh, it had more traction than other shootings. And it could also be the cumulative effect too. You know, like yeah. for fuck's sake, let's have this over with. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, it does make me think a little bit, and this is, I don't bring this kind of stuff up very often, but you know, I did study English. Um, this is, it's almost the Lord of the flies. Like uh, the world's just, just falling apart so much when it comes to guns and so many other things. How, just how far are we going to have to destroy ourselves yeah. before we take it seriously? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and back to the cumulative effect, you know, there's Trump in here. Like there's just all these layers that, you know, are kind of ca- calling, calling this to the forefront. Yeah. Um, Kim, are you an after these messages listener? I am. Um, Cause I'm sure you can't get enough Walsh. So you've probably heard, I also don't know if you're a Grapes of Rad listener now that Genevieve has hopped over to Grapes of Rad. Um, but between the shows, Genevieve's been making such a big deal out of using her platforms to rail against Trump in any way, shape, and form possible. And I just wrote to her after listening to this week's After These Messages on Twitter, and I wrote, uh, I know you want to use your pod power for good, but I bet I can count on F- <laughs> on uh ATM's Trump backing listeners on one poutine filled hand. Right. It was a Canadian themed episode. Like these guys could go on the show and rail against Trump all day, but I bet I won't say none because there's always some crossover, but I bet it's very few mm-hmm. TBTL listeners are going that way. So just like gun rights, I'm sure there are a handful of tens right. who are clinging to their guns, but for the most part, uh, they'd just be preaching to the choir. And it's nice to rally the troops once in a while, but, uh, you know, it's exhausting for them to do. And it's probably exhausting for us to hear after a while. And I think they just don't want to be that show. Right. Um, Going back to the Orlando thing, just, you know, since this is somewhat of a platform, I'm curious, did you guys hear the Melissa Etheridge song that she wrote about Pulse? No. No, I didn't. Um, It's quite heart-wrenching and beautiful all at the same time. So she wrote it the morning of learning about the tragedy and it just weaves in a whole bunch of poetic pieces, um, you know, making the connection that we all have a pulse. You know, this happened at a 
an establishment called Pulse. And one of the um, follow-up stories talked about um, somebody who was in the establishment that when the police came in and the shooter was still inside, they said, raise your hand if you have, if, if you're still alive. And so she wove that lyric into the, into Mm. the song too. It's, I mean, bucket towns happen out of my, out of my eyeballs when I, when I listen to the song, it's Mm. just so touching. And it's one of those like proceeds go to um, type of thing. Pretty powerful, yeah. Um, I would say that we should steal it and put it at the end of the show, but because <laughs> because the hits probably matter on something like that, everyone should go seek it out, and we'll put the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to just um, rip the MP3 and attach it here, and then not have whatever benefits go to the world for having the hits land where they will for that. I'm already seeing it's on YouTube, so uh, people can go seek it out there at least. Yeah, and, and Melissa did uh, some live performances, how I first learned about it. So she, you know, talks about how she, you know, the song just came to her, et cetera. So it has a little bit more backstory. I actually like that recording, that live recording better than the one she did in the studio. Fair enough. We'll put the link. Um, we talked about a less depressing thing yes, as we well did. when you reached out to me. <laughs> uh, and that is that you've been asked to officiate a wedding, which I just recently did. Yeah. Uh, and when is yours? Well, it was this past weekend. So over, oh, right. Yeah, so last we can Sunday. Talk about it. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I uh, rocked it. How did yours go? It went really well. It was funny. I, I feel more confident on how the experience was on the rehearsal. Like I called everybody together. It was this weird thing where a friend of the family, um, well, I knew the groom, um, but mostly I knew the groom's mother. And so usually when you have you know, an officiant, they're like, who's a stranger? And, you know, I'm a part of the family. So anyway, it was, it was really beautiful, um, pulling people together and they, the, the bride and groom, um, asked for the layout to go a little bit different. So there was kind of that mix of people are like, wait, this is going off the rails. And then after they experienced it and saw how different it was, they're like, whoa, that's amazing. So got really great feedback saying like even a guy who said he would never get married, he was like, wait, but I'd get married like that. So it was really cool and just kind of switching things up a little bit. So, and a few surprises in there too. Like I was really trying to write, well, I think that's what we were talking about. Bobby is like, I was trying to get some surprises in there because they didn't want to know what the script was. And so I was trying to throw a little like backstory stuff and fun little surprises without like putting pressure on them because like the couple wants to have a dog and so i was like trying to get them to commit that they would have a dog it's kind of like a little wink (laughs) wink but then not wanting to build a story that the whole family's like well where's this fucking dog you promised in the vows so just trying to balance those pieces mike that's the kind of wedding you could get behind yeah i didn't know i could be promised a dog i need to get luke (laughs) back up there and hitch us up again Depending on the way you phrase that, that could be a dowry, which I could get behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you reached out to me, the concern was that they you, you kind of implied that they wanted some humor in the wedding ceremony. And my my feedback to that was that it's not your day, it's theirs. And so you can be funny, but it's not a stand-up routine. You, you want to stand out less. So for people who, for some reason, haven't heard about this yet, I, I – uh, I conducted the marriage of my aunt, my adult aunt, who I think we never thought was going to get married to her now husband a couple of weekends ago. 
in Rochester, uh, they got married at home plate at Frontier Field, the AAA affiliate team in Rochester before batting practice. And then the reception was everyone went to the game in a suite. And uh, it was pretty casual, but they wanted a weird mix. They wanted some of the formal stuff. They wanted the very formal I do vows, the till death do us part, you know. But then other parts of it, they didn't want it to be too gaudy. Yeah. Uh, and they mm-hmm. wanted some nature stuff woven in. So we kind of worked on that together. Um, but all in all, my goal was to just keep it short and stay out of the way. Yeah. Um, I intentionally picked a relatively simple, boring outfit, suit and tie. Like I chose a tie that was less loud. I wanted people looking at them. I didn't want people looking at me. Sure. Hmm. I think I would work it. I'd work in some crowd work, like pick some people out, you know, ask them where they're from. <laughs> Tell them, oh, you're you're from San Marcos. Well, I'll talk slower then. You know, do do some jokes like that. You know, really loosen people up. Yeah, it's always good when you come into town as the efficient and just make sure you know the the local teams and the local <laughs> right. company. Right. <laughs> right. You got to so, weave those in there seamlessly. Earn your money. Well, um, and what's interesting about this past wedding is they really wanted the princess bride element brought in, and I'm not a princess bride fan. And that was the part that killed through through the whole piece. Like everybody mm. was like roaring, laughing. So, so it worked. You did it. It, it worked. worked. I totally was worked. extremely skeptical. Give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations then, because that is a bit that requires excellent <laughs> uh, execution. Because I, I, that has to be something that either works or doesn't. I don't think there's any gray area there. So you knew your audience and you nailed it. That's impressive. So is this going on your resume? Because it's going on mine. Oh, yeah. No, it's, well, yeah. I don't know that I hand out resumes anymore. I'm kind of a, I've weird job experiences as of late. But um, yeah, I've, I've got a website and it's going to go up there um, soon. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I even got the compliments back about like, so have you done other weddings before? And I was like, no, nope, this was my first. And they're like, what? So definite mic drop moment. What an opportunity to plug your website. KimMarson.com. That's for real. I've been there. It's not a cat roll. It's not so a cat safe. roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Kim, let me run you through your paces here. How did you find TBTL? So um, my wife uh, was a 10, and she uh, kept talking about Luke and Jen at the time, and I was like, who the F are these people? I don't care about them. Why do you keep talking about them? And then it became the experience that uh, they were doing the live show in Chicago at Shuba's. I think it's episode 812. Wait, did you catch her saying like, my friend said this or my friends were talking about that and then you found out it was a podcast? Did that ever go down? Oh, totally. Yeah, because she was like, well, she didn't use the word friends, but she just kept referring to these people as Uh though they were friends. Right. And I was just like, I don't want to know about this. And then when she talked about the going to the live show that involved me and I said, well, let me just listen. So I'm not sitting in the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, dumbfounded. And so the rest is history. So now she's maybe an 11 and I'm more the 10. Okay. So uh, what was the first episode that you listened to? Did you pick it strategically? Did you ask her which episode you should dive in on? How did that work? No, I just grabbed something that was pretty, you know, that was around that time, like maybe that week before, because I was trying to think like w- what was um, a, that the episode that I listened to and nothing really stands out. I think it mm. more stands out about, you know, the question around what made me attend. And right. that that was the um, um, 
the TV episode one, Why It Matters. The TV theme song? That one, yeah. Oh, Christy should be yeah. so happy. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, when LRB was just a twinkle in Christy and Mike's eyes, not in a weird way, um, they were taking submissions, and I wrote to them, and I said, I want to talk about the TV theme songs episode. And Christy wrote back and said, basically, don't ruin this for me. That's mine. <laughs> right, because we each did our own. The first two episodes right. were hers and, and mine, and mine was the Mr. T guy, and hers was uh, uh, her own episode of TV theme right, songs. Right, because that was inspired by an email she sent in, and the story of her and her sister doing choreography to TV theme songs was Christy and her sister. Right. That's awesome. What was it about that episode? I mean, we all know, but tell say it for anybody who hasn't listened to it recently. Well, as a young kid not knowing that she was queer, um, it was Joe Polnicek. Um, so the Facts of Life theme song um, mm-hmm. holds holds a lot in, in my life. So, And plus, as a kid, like I just watched all of those TV shows. So it was like going back and, you know, remembering what it was like to sit and watch those TV shows. So. Yeah, I, I remember wasting so much time watching terrible TV when I was a kid. <laughs> and there, there, nothing felt better than to not be doing anything productive and be watching those stupid shows. But you didn't know it was terrible, right? No, no, I did not. I did not. You you see it later. <laughs> you see it uh, rerun now and you go, wow, that's right. a that's a giant waste of time. But I, I loved it at the time. But um, have you made any TV tale appearances, had anything read, been on... Uh, voicemail anything like that no um my wife uh had her birthday she she had a happy birthday shout out way back and then when they were doing the birthday yeah, stuff that yeah. was a pretty was a brief thing. time <laughs> yeah and then um more recently i wrote into andrew about a song of the summer request and then referred to myself as a lesbian and he he thought that was pretty pretty shits and giggles so that was fun <laughs> but the the song didn't get on no god damn it <laughs> I'm still well, waiting because I was like, either this is a song for the weekend or a song of the summer. It's uh, Tegan and Sarah's boyfriend song, so we could play that on the outro if you want. I love that song. Now we're all set. So yeah. um, about that birthday thing, though, going back to that, uh, I had a pretty terse exchange with Luke over that birthday stuff. Jen was really against it. Huh. You know, she did not like the birthday shout outs because it's like back to the old uh, am radio days with ron and don and you know traditional you play the birthday music you do the birthday shout out she was against it and i think i sent i sent luke like like an email saying wow this birthday stuff <laughs> you know I, I don't get it either and he he basically sent back like a how's your podcast <laughs> message to me and I was like, okay, that's the last time I make any suggestions. <laughs> so how or, do you how do you feel, Mike, then about the the fifty dollars a month, you know, get a message writ, written on the sh- read on the show? I think that's all right because usually the people who do that are so involved with mm. the show that they ha- either have something very heartfelt to say, uh have, don't want to say anything or have something very creative and funny to Got do. It. You know, but just a birthday shout out. Like we have four listeners' birthdays. Way to go, Melissa and <laughs> Jane and Steve and Bob. You know what is that? What, what what have we accomplished there? I don't know. People do like to hear their names, but um, it just doesn't seem very TBTL gotcha. to me. Plus, things if, should if, come up naturally. You know, if fifty bucks can get a birthday message on the jumbotron at a mm. at a Paw Sox game, 
why shouldn't it get you a shout out on the podcast? You're just buying a little time at that point. It's underwriting for the poor man. Right. I yeah. like it. Robertpape.com. That's right. Um, <laughs> Kim, what are, what are some of your favorite drops? So, right. So my favorite drops, um, uh, the I'm so happy of myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, two thumbs really up for cute. rock and roll. <laughs> And you right. know what I was curious about is, you know, for, for LRB jingles, because my other like tied for, for first place is that you can't ride in my little red wagon. Mm-ba, mm-ba. That one, like that should totally be a part of your jingle, don't you think? I don't know. I As much as I like our name, I, that that drop. It's pretty, pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is. I've developed a dance to it. Like just because of the repetition i think like i hear you that uh-huh. it's maybe not unique all on its own but maybe just the repetition like if someone were in the car doing that in, in your ear you'd be like you gotta you gotta shut up dude <laughs> the other problem is if you google little red wagon song that miranda lambert garbage comes up huh. and and it's really funny because people don't some people who especially aren't at all familiar with country music don't realize there is a fairly recent Miranda Lambert song called Little Red Wagon. And it features sort of those traditional lines about the Little Red Wagon, huh. you know, front seats broken in the axles dragon. And uh, just the other night, I think it was Phyllis Fletcher sent us a message. She was watching the fourth fireworks on CBS or something during the actual fireworks display when they use recorded music and she had the closed captioning on and she just wrote, they're saying something about Little Red Wagon. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, similarly, that song would be extremely appropriate if it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I I have to say my favorite drops are usually children and uh, they just played one the other day um, f- from some insurance ad where the kid says and kicked him in the penis. Right. I like that one. <laughs> my, But my all-time favorite is Little Bacon, who keeps losing at deals. And he doesn't want to make a deal anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> it has limited uh, applicability, but when it's right, it's it's really right. Right. And do drops come up in like your vernacular with people? Oh, I try. I fight against it. Right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. But when you're married to, you know, another 10, then, you know, you can use them, I think. Sure. Uh, you you mentioned this in our conversation leading up to the show. You asked, why don't you ask people what their favorite drop is? Uh, and so and it's a good question. But I think part of the problem is for me, it depends on what day of the week it is. Right. Like, um Mr. Burns going ahoy hoy is my text message alert sound, <laughs> uh, which drives my wife mad. And she's not even an 11, so she just thinks it's stupid. Um, my favorite drop, I don't know. I love the cuts from the Jerry Springer mea copa. Mm. I'm not remembering you that know, one. This is uh, when he, he, he paid a... I paid a prostitute a, with a check. I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish I hadn't done that. That, yeah. that more importantly i wish i wish you all hadn't found out exactly yeah. that's, that's my favorite part of it because that's of course of right. course and that's when he was running for governor i think uh, yes, something like that he yeah. was running for public office and he had the the balls to say not only he wish he hadn't it's not that he wish he hadn't seen the prostitute even right it was no. that he wish he hadn't paid her with a check and he wishes that nobody had found out right if the last part had happened, everything would have been fine. He wouldn't have had to regret paying with the check or being with the prostitute. Right. 
I just can't imagine um, paying with a check. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. You know, the next customer is in line getting impatient. Yeah. Oh, this guy with the check. I mean, I got to get his driver's license on this thing. I got to get his current address. Oh, those poor horny guys just waiting. No, no shame. You just, you just have one of those thumbprint things like they have at the <laughs> bank now. I bet you. I'm all just for sex a, work. Whatever you need. Just take a picture of the check and send it to right. Jerry. All right, Kim, uh, why does TBTL matter to you? I think it's really how the guys talk to each other. Like in particular, um, I, I love when Luke says, oh, Andy, be, t- talk nice about my friend Andrew. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I just love the tone of that, that, you know, the, the sweet connections that they have with each other and really the tone that I feel like Jen brought to the show that has stayed with the show that, you know, we're all a community and we're all just going to love each other. Um, or that we all want to do right by each other. Um, so, so th- that, that I think is the main piece and, and what kind of comes along within that is, you know, the questions that they seem to pose to one another it really gets me to think. Um, so, so yeah, so the heart that's in there, that's smattered in with the, the drops and the humor. Um, mm-hmm. and th- I love the moments when Luke really gets laughing at Andrew. Like the best representation of that is the oops, the bird story. My favorite, oh, yeah. my Andrew favorite. Just, he brings out a, a story like, how could you have been sitting on this story for, for four years or whatever? Right. That animation, that's like the best way for me to tell people about TBTL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bab for the cycle. I'm mentioning other people's podcasts right now because there's something I don't think people realize. Um, uh, you know, if you listen to Stack of Dimes, another podcast in the sort of universe of TBTL in Seattle, um, you realize those two guys grew up together. And so they've known each other forever. And, and so they have a bond like that where they've known each other forever, one another forever. But Luke and Andrew have not known one another forever. Andrew was a fan of TBTL before he knew Luke. They met at work and through mutual friends. And now it's been so long. You know, if you step back and think about it, we're also watching the evolution of a friendship. They were not best friends forever when they first started TV, you know, when Andrew started coming on TBTL, they were friends and they were close because they worked together, but they really have evolved into, you know, I imagine extremely close friends just because they talk every day. I mean, who talks with their friends every day right. other than, you know, Mike and I with a couple of our co-hosts and other people bullshit on Facebook messenger every day. But like, you know, who spends an hour a day talking audio with someone they've grown so much together. We've gotten to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's still might be some gems in that Andrew, um, because he just seems like he was so put upon as a child that he is, he's pushed a lot of it back. And every once in a while, he'll just, he'll bring out one of those stories about how horrible his childhood was. And you'll go, wow. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how how much he went through and became a normal person, at least outside of eating like a child. That that <laughs> part is still there. Sometimes you just got to hold on to those things. Yeah. Uh, that might be about as good a transition as any to our clip, actually. Right. 
Um, we, this was a struggle because you wanted to talk about Oops the Bird and we've talked about Oops the Bird. And you wanted to talk about TV theme songs and we've talked about TV theme songs. Um, there are plenty of great clips out there. Sometimes you just have to dig a little bit more for them. And when you came back with this one, you succeeded in digging a little bit more for a really great episode of TVTL. Yeah. Um, you've chosen to take us back to March 12th, 2012. This was a Monday show, episode 1035. Shit just got real. An episode that I don't think would fly a title. I don't think would fly in the infinite guest days. Um, I think they would censor shit. I might be wrong. Um, I'm kind of surprised it flew back in the my Northwest days because well, whenever I tried to put anything in the blog that was even vaguely obscene, I got shut down real fast. Well, I think they kept you on a short leash. Um, they really did. They were really wary of me. I didn't appreciate it. Uh, if anything, the description of this show should have just put it on our radar even sooner. Yeah. Uh, Luke and producer Andrew have plans to discuss the news of the day, but end up delving into their childhood traumas with special emphasis on the danger of eating super hot peppers. <laughs> um, we're actually going to skip the super hot peppers part, but we're going to pick it up where it led us, uh, which is Luke working on his tight five on gluten allergies, followed by... <laughs> Very cutting edge humor, followed by uh, some Andrew childhood and Luke and Andrew childhood stories. So let's take a moment now, listen to this clip, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Um, Hey, uh, one last food thing that occurred to me today, and then I sent out a tweet, um, which has now been uh, retweeted a good number of times by people, which makes me think maybe it kind of struck a nerve. I was in a restaurant somewhere. And I noticed that, you know, 80% of the items, and this wasn't like a super crazy health obsessed ref- restaurant. I just noticed that like 80% of the item- items were like gluten free. And I thought, look, I know we have listeners who probably would, will claim, and maybe they're totally right that they have all kinds of gluten allergies. They have celiac disease, et cetera, et cetera. I don't understand though how it is that suddenly half of the population of America has a gluten allergy. And the other half, apparently, or maybe it's the same half, has gout. I didn't know about the gout. The disease of kings. I didn't know that there was an uptick in gout. Haven't you seen that commercial? If anyone should know about the commercials, it's you because you don't have TiVo allowing you to fast forward Mm -hmm. things. So you are forced to watch the commercials like some kind of a commoner. I know the commercial you're talking about. Where he's, he's carrying, carrying around, around a thing of a, urine. That oh, is. Oh, that's a horrible. That's no, a, gout, even, a gout commercial. It's not even urine, right? It's like it's, acid. Well, they call it uric acid. You, oh, you But oh, it's, here's, here's one of the ways that you get gout, drinking human urine, because it has tons of uric acid in it, hence the name urine and uric acid. Mm. The other way is, well, the way they used to get it in the old days, the reason they called it the disease of kings was because you had to, it meant you were eating a diet that had almost no fruits and vegetables in it, and it was mostly like um you know meats and and sort of internal organs and things mm-hmm. that are just very rich and fatty mm-hmm. and have like no vitamins in them so that was that's how that's how you used to get it now apparently we live in a society where like 80% of the people have gout based on the number of commercials i see for gout help yeah and i think that well i interested in knowing when those commercials run i feel like they're probably running mostly like what probably during football games Right, that's probably where we've both seen them a lot, like yeah. during the football season. So. Well, no, actually, a lot during. Um, if you watch, and this is, I guess, just for any old person product. If you watch sixty minutes, 
if you watch uh, Rock Center or if you watch any of the um, like national evening newses like I do, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm plugged in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those will be just full of ads for gout medicine. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, that may speak to the age thing. But I, I've never heard of someone in like the modern era having gout until five years ago. And now apparently everyone has. It. Yeah. Have you ever met anybody who's like, yeah, I got gout? No, I'm pro- I'm sure we'll get an email from a listener that says it's no joke, and I'm sure it isn't. Yeah. But what the hell changed? And, I'll, and back to the gluten-free thing. And back to the nut allergies. What happened? When did we all – and I don't think – I'm honestly not one of these people who's like, kids are just not tough today. Like, obviously something is going on, but I don't understand what is – how do we become comp- – how does every kid get allergic to peanuts? Well, I don't know much about the gluten thing. I don't know much about nothing. Um, but mm-hmm. the the gluten thing in particular, I mean, it could be that there were – there were the symptoms and side effects of gluten. People just never made the connection before and people dealt with it. You know, I know one of the things is my friend uh, is gluten free now. And if she accidentally eats gluten, you know, she'll break out really bad and get like really. Well, bad do you know things. what was happening so, to her before? I think that she was probably just dealing with breakouts and didn't know why she was breaking out from time to time. Just thought this is my lot in life. But then, she, you know, she went to oh, the doctor and made that connection. I mean, there's other ailments that go along with with her diet. Um, but I'm just saying maybe in the past we didn't have the connection. And so we just dealt with things like horrible bathroom situations <laughs> right. and breakouts and stuff like that. Maybe I'm gluten free. You've just described my weekend. <laughs> uh, down to the, just down to the minute. Um, well, anyway, I don't want to sound like, I, I, if you have a gluten allergy, uh, if you have gout, I don't want to sound like I'm being unsympathetic, even though I really ultimately am, I guess. It's just, it, it's bizarre to me that these were, the, it, it feels like, I mean, here's another thing. And maybe these shouldn't all be in the same category, but you know how like in the, in the eighties, everybody was hypoglycemic. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. I remember kids at school. I remember Derek Lilliscar. Oh yeah, I'm hypoglycemic. Really? Really? And then like now, it, or th- and then after that, it became, um, well, I guess gluten kind of filled in the gaps. And there's another one too that everybody, oh, everybody, uh, was, uh, had ADHD. AD, yeah. I was or say ADD that. or ADHD. Yeah. That was the thing everybody, oh man, I'm just totally ADD. Yeah. I'm just so ADD. It's like, really? So now ADD is the hypoglycemia of the nineties. And I think I'm wondering if the gluten thing is the ADD of the 2000s. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for, you know, just you become aware of something and then people realize, oh, this is something I've been struggling with. But you're right. Probably other people are misdiagnosed. Um, I'm just such a, you know, I'm just a really live and let live kind of guy. So I just. Are you? No, not at all. <laughs> um, well, in case there were like two people who I haven't completely offended uh, in the opening, uh, 20 minutes of today's show, I will add to it the fact that I'm not a big fan of the Doonesbury comic cartoon. I just don't think it's very, I don't know. It's not as mind blowing as people, it seems like people older than me seem to think it is. Last time I talked about this, we got emails from people who were like, it's a satire, man. Like, look, it's like, I, I understand what's behind Doonesbury, but it doesn't strike me as particularly, I don't know, sharp. Um, but it is getting attention this week because Gary Trudeau, the guy that writes it, uh, he, the, the plot line is about, uh, abortion this week. And apparently it's got a bunch of, uh, local, um, uh, newspapers really freaking out because it's in their comic section. So the Doonesbury syndicators, they like put, they, uh, forwarded along like an alternate week of Doonesbury you can run. And, um, like the Seattle Times here in town, they've, they've moved it from the comic section to the news section yeah. for the week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I just, <laughs> first of all, this is the first that probably 99% of the population has thought of Doonesbury 
Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Like, this is great for Doonesbury and Gary Trudeau. And I, 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 I said this, I think, on TBTL before. I definitely tweeted it at one point. But my feeling is anyone who's under 40 who thinks Doonesbury is cool or who reads Doonesbury, admit it. You started because you had a cool teacher in high school who was into Doonesbury. I think that's it. Or like me, like I, I, I felt like Doonesbury was always a, a nut I needed to crack when I was young. <laughs> you know, it right. seemed so sophisticated. And I don't know, like. What's up with Mary Worth too, right? Some well, that's adult. what I was, that's, that's what I was actually going to expand this conversation to, which was what was your general comic reading behavior as a kid? We were a pretty big BC family. Uh huh. We liked BC. Uh-huh. Uh, um, oh, what's the army one? The incredibly sexist oh, army Beetle one. Beetle Bailey. Beetle Bailey. <laughs> yeah. On that. Sure. Those are kind of uh, a little Blondie. bit of Dagwood and Blondie. Blondie we loved. Yeah. That was the same person, right? Was the same person did Beetle Bailey and Blondie? Those characters look kind of similar. That's funny. I don't know. I mean, one thing about, it, I think all three of those comics, I mean, they're s- from such a different age. Like the women in those comics are drawn like, you know, you're just like, you're 1950s or 60s, like, just like exaggerated hourglass. I'm, I, I'm more like the women in like, Mother Goose and Grim. Oh yeah, like the pear shaped and grandmotherly. <laughs> no, like shoe always yes, got me off. That was, yeah. that was, that was a, a real laugh riot. <laughs> um, I I used to read, you know, the Dagwood ones, and just like n- I'd never understand why sleeping on the couch was so awesome for this guy. And then I became an adult, and I was mm-hmm. like, ah, yes, it's about napping. It. It's how, about giant sandwiches and napping. Know, right? How about Andy Cap? Oh, I never read Andy Cap that I, much. I couldn't get, I could, it was, you know, it's like British, right? I assumed it was British. Be, oh, that would explain he's always his down, hat. He's always down at the pub. Yeah. And maybe it's droll and really funny, but I, I, as a kid, it was so lost to me. But I would read all of these comics every single day. The Lockhorns? The Lockhorns. That one I actually did like. Those jokes were sort of graspable for me. See, I got that one confused with Andy Cap. They're both about like an alcoholic guy, yeah, right? Who, who hates his wife. Who hates his wife. <laughs> you know, the, the stuff of comedy. <laughs> right. Uh, well, no, but, uh, the Andy Cap one, he has that hat that's pulled way down over his face. You can only barely make out his features. Yeah. And his deal was he's always down at the bar. And the Lockhorns, he always is, usually he's at home, but he hates his wife. Okay. See, they're always locking horns. <laughs> oh. Um, I was a big- No, no, that's their name. That's just their- <laughs> I was a big fan of, um, uh, like I said, Mother Goose and Grimm. Uh, there was another one too, for better or for worse. Oh yeah, I yeah, it was good. When I was a kid, like that. But I also, for a little while, I got into like I got really into Prince Valiant. Really? I got into some of the serialized ones. I got into Buzz Sawyer. I don't know Buzz. I got Sawyer. into Mark Trail. I don't know those. You didn't read any of these? No, Prince Valiant, I knew of. As a matter of fact, you know who wrote that or or, or took over writing that for a while is the guy, the editor of the Atlantic. Really? Yeah. Prince I Valiant? Think, I can't think of his name. He's also the guy, he's like an editor of, like, the dictionary. Whatever. Good story. Uh, yeah. Good story. Yeah. Um, I, what I think is interesting about all of the comics that I read as a kid is that I never, ever laughed out loud at any of them. Like, I used to watch, uh, I used to read all the Garfield ones. Mm-hmm. Never left, used to live for Heathcliff. Like, the book fair would come to my elementary school, and I would, like, save up my $2 to go get the latest Heathcliff. Really? There was room in your heart for Garfield and Heathcliff. You thought that it's like an either-or? That's like yeah. a Backstreet Boys in sync situation. Right, You've got to exactly. make a call. Coke or Pepsi, yeah. Which one were you? Garfield. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily – I say that like I'm really proud of it. Heathcliff was probably more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, he could do a thing where he'd eat a fish and pull it out and it would just be the skeleton. That left is over. amazing. That yeah. is amazing. Garfield was just so lazy. 
Both of those animals were such assholes. <laughs> really I mean, they really were selfish assholes. Like they really were. They just, you know, their whole the way they behave towards everyone else involved in the in the the world of their cartoon. I also used to read tons of Archie. Oh my God! I had boxes and boxes full of Archie. Double digests. Oh, I love the double. Digests. Who are you rooting for in the whole Archie world? Well, I mean, you're you're set up to root for Archie. I mean, I definitely wanted Could Archie you, but, to get together with Betty. Like, there's no doubt about it. I was a Betty partisan. I just, I couldn't ever figure out why those girls were fighting over Archie. Good question. It wasn't his ride, that's for damn sure. <laughs> that old jalopy? Do you remember that thing? Of course, who could forget? I mean... I love Jughead, actually. That's who I was rooting for, always. Oh, he had no chance. He had no chance, but I, I associated with Jughead. Why didn't they give Jughead a girlfriend? His love was... Strictly for yeah, hamburgers. It's true. It's true. And that hat. I really wanted to get one of those hats. Crown hat. When I was in like, you know, middle school, early high school, I just liked anything that seemed weird and, and, and like out of the mainstream. Yeah, me too. But you probably pulled it off. You no, were probably the not. type of guy who I could I did come- not. Uh. You should see pictures of me from high school. It's just, it's 130 pounds, 120 of which is acne and terrible, terrible hat choices. See, I call this the, the kind of the ducky phenomenon from is it 16 uh-huh, candle sure. ducky you know yeah. he was this nerd right but he was such a lovable nerd and he could just be outgoing with his quirkiness and he could also just tell girls i have a crush on you uh-huh. or whatever and i was also a nerd but i was a real nerd right and i would do things like i'm gonna wear a wacky hat for a week and i would come <laughs> in wearing a wacky hat and somebody would end up like you know shoving it up my rear end or something like <laughs> horrific like <laughs> horrific and like i realized oh like why God. can't i just be the kind of nerd the jugheads who are just kind of like i'm into hamburgers and i'm a little bit weird but everybody accepts it was it that there wasn't a critical mass of other kind of because i think what you need i know that 16 candles doesn't present it properly because he's like he's the nerd who moves amongst the cool kids and is right. allowed to but i think at most schools what happens is if you have a critical mass of nerds um, that can hang out with each other, then that's a, like a, that's a, you know, that's a, a, a safe, a safe harbor. Maybe. And I just feel like there's, there are different categories of nerds as well. You know how there's different categories of clowns, right? You know, like rodeo clowns, <laughs> rodeo clowns are at the top, right? Yeah. And party clowns. And then you have mimes at the very bottom. <laughs> this all comes from shakes the clown, by the way. That's where I did. That's where I did all my research on this topic. Um, Would you so, ever feel comfortable on the show telling the story of sausage for lunch? Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I think that's a really good tease, though. Someday when we're talking about food, again, we're talking about food right now, but someday when we come back to the food topic and maybe the sausage topic. But, I mean, that story is just heartbreaking. It's There's not a real – is there a redemptive – can we put some, like, uh, music under it and try to Ira Glass it up? Sure, yeah. Give it some moment of reflection because otherwise it's just – unrelentingly sad i see that's funny like that's one of the least sad stories oh my god i'm telling you i mean that's kind of the thing and i don't want to just turn this into like a feel bad for me thing but like that's kind of what i'm getting at like you had nerds who just have nerd stories and people sometimes will say oh everybody's bullied to a certain extent in school and i say no 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 there are people who are you know have to deal with peer pressure and maybe get teased a little bit and then there are nerds who are just kind of like hey i'm doing my own thing i'm in chess club whatever and then there are the 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 people who are tortured and you feel like you were tortured. I was one time in like fourth grade held down in the back of a school bus and rubbed with poison ivy oh, because man. I was allergic to poison ivy when we were coming back from like a field trip. Wait, is this supposed to be a funny if show? If they would have found out, if they would have found out about your gluten allergy. <laughs> oh, that would have been the end of it. So anyway, how this, did you, this, let me ask you this. How did you pull out of it? Because you are now 
a successful person, a tremendously likable person. You're in a long-term, functional, good relationship. Devastatingly good-looking. You always forget that. I, I, you know what? I didn't want it to sound like I was just gilding the lily. <laughs> so I left that out because it's so obvious. Right, okay. You, you, how did you – because a lot of kids who grow up that way with those kind of feelings, it's really like – it affects the trajectory of the rest of their life. And you somehow somehow got the nose up. How did you do that? Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we'll see if Rachel Bell kicks my ass when I <laughs> walk out of the studio later. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I do think one thing is, as a matter of fact, Genevieve and I were just talking about this this weekend. One of the reasons why, I mean, I tend to have a very kind of self-deprecating sense of humor, yeah. obviously. And I think early on, I realized, like, get to yourself first before they get to you. Yeah. You know, so that's one thing. But yeah. I mean, I don't know that I ever, like, First of all, it sounds like maybe you think I've pulled the nose up a lot more than I have. I mean, you you become an adult. Like, you hope that you can eventually get to a point in your life where you're not going to get your ass kicked when you go to work. Well, sure. Phys- there's the physical threat, but then there's just more of the psychological thing. Like, my my therapist says uh, that your therapist sucks. <laughs> no. You know, she says that, like, a lot of – you know, she described this thing to me about, like, the way that we react to things, right, as adults. Most of it is – or at least a lot of it is kind of shaped in – you're a little kid, something happens, and you know, you want to not feel that way, or you want to go away from the things that don't feel good and toward the things that feel good. And so you just develop all these systems, and they're really rudimentary, and they're really not, you know, very well thought out. They're just like the analogy that I use is like you're like in a foxhole, and there's like a Jerry is coming at you, and you're just like looking around, and you just like pick up a garden hoe because that's what's mm-hmm. in there. And it's like not an effective tool, but you just, and then 30 years later, you're still like waving a garden hoe at the, <laughs> Those kinds of situations, even right. though it's not the right thing. That's interesting. So yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, I, I, I do think you've, you totally got the nose up and I, and I think it's amazing because I could see you based on what you're telling me having all these like behavior patterns that are totally not just like being self deprecating because lots of people are that way, but somehow, I mean, amazing. Like you didn't go shoot your school up. Right. Right. Well, I mean, one thing is, and I don't know how much of this is also just kind of like, nature as well how much is of it's in my genes but i mean i also really like being alone right mm-hmm. um like i think that's a huge difference between you and i i think that like you're kind of in your element when there are a lot of people around or at least a few close friends around right, right. like that's kind of the most relaxing to you and whereas well, i love going out and hanging out with people but for me after i do that i need to recharge by being by myself for a while and that may be a result of growing up amongst the enemy <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Or it could just indicate that I am, am so bereft of any sense of who I actually am that I have to just constantly be around other people so that I hear. Oh, that's totally unfair. I, mean, I hear are... noise that tells me I still exist. Uh, you know, you, I would be the you worst that person. Not... To, I would be the worst person to be casted away. Like if you put me on that island with that damn volleyball, mm-hmm. <laughs> game over. <laughs> well, you know, I'd we're... be swinging from a palm tree in about four hours. We're all doing nasty things with that volleyball. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, day wait, four. Wait. <laughs> that was really not. You're right. That was not explored in that movie. The fact that you know that there was going to be volleyball sex. How could there not be? I haven't even seen the movie, so I take it there's no volleyball sex in that, huh? <laughs> Damn. Um, hey, you know what? I think I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap this show up. That poor volleyball. <laughs> wow. Well, Where did that come from, Andrew? I know. He doesn't do that. And all the rim talk recently? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, we're making somebody happen, happy with that. Like, we could do, sh- what What was that, the, the shots that would get drunk? 
when when Jen would do the uh, I forgot all the references, but oh, Hammer Time. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody um, drink whenever he says rim. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for context, uh, I we we're not going to share the first half of this episode. If you want it, you can grab it from the show notes or go find it. Uh, Ten thirty five. But the reason we didn't bother sharing it is because the first twenty minutes is uh, Luke talking about his weight and his low slow carb diet, followed by Andrew talking about his weight and his discomfort with it. It is worth noting uh, that it is the very beginning of the Hell Pizza Challenge. It's when they find out about the New Zealand one, and if you want to go back and listen to the Hell Pizza episode of TBTL, don't do it in the TBTL archives. That would be dumb. Do it in our archives so you can hear uh, 10 Aiden McQuillan talk about it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes, too. Uh, I believe he is the youngest person to appear on Little Red Bandwagon. How old was he when that was recorded? Uh, I don't know. It's like I think eight or nine. Young enough oh. to still need Will's consent. <laughs> right, right. He doesn't get to listen to all the all these shows, mainly because of me. Probably. Yeah, I was going to ask what why people aren't doing Sorry Aiden anymore. Is it just that he's used to it? I think it's a blanket statement now. The whole show is just Sorry Aiden. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right. Uh, but we pick this up uh, with gluten allergies and sort of this um, this sort of now even more common argument than back when the show was recorded, which is like, where did all these people with gluten allergies come from and nut allergies? When we were kids, we ate gluten and nuts and were glad to have it. Back in my day. <laughs> yeah. Mike, tell us about back in the day. Well, I'll, I will tell you about back in the day. I do. I have something to say about this. I think we're, we're sensitive about saying that uh, each generation is uh, softer than the last, but it's, Completely true. Like my great grandfather was a lot tougher than my grandfather, who was a lumberjack, who was a lot tougher than my dad, who was an incredible athlete and, and a huge strong guy. My dad was a lot tougher than me. And that's just going to keep being that way because everything keeps getting easier for us. But see, so, I think that's relative, Mike, because I think, you know, the version of toughness. I think it's relative. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is uh, I would much more easily stop down for um, some sort of, of allergy or, or some sort of sensitivity than my granddad would, because he just wouldn't, he wouldn't have the time or the inclination. Um, I'm not even saying it's wrong that, that we should be taking care of ourselves and watching what we eat more and, and that kind of thing. I mean, that is, that is good. We we should keep doing that. But I, I'm not afraid to say that that I'm I'm kind of a pussy, and my dad is a little bit of one. My granddad wasn't really one, and my great granddad would not at all. It just we're 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 just getting softer. You, you see that movie Wall A with all the people on the spaceship. That's basically us. I think you know? it's I think it's Wall E. I think Wall A is the Wall-E French is the rapper, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> thanks for the, thanks for the correction, but but uh, there's a reason that perception is out there is because uh, it's becoming pretty real. We're we're just a bunch of uh, chubby folks, you know, roaming the earth. That's it. Yeah, um, I'm young and entitled, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're 20 years <laughs> younger than me. You're you're a big part of the problem, Sonny. 
<laughs> no, I'm saying that this is just going to keep happening, you know, Bobby. When you finally have those kids, we know you're going to have because we'll talk about that incessantly on the show. Oh God, they're going to be softer than you. I know that's hard to imagine, but you're going to make sure they're softer than you because we want to take care of our kids, and we're so worried about our kids, and we, you know, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you're the one who. Well, when I first met you in person. Your biggest goal in life was finding Colin a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. And I did find him a job. Yeah. Uh, from there, uh, we move into comic talk, uh, starting with Doonesbury, the comic that everyone who likes it likes it because they had a cool teacher who liked it, uh, which explains why I never got into Doonesbury. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't make that connection with the teacher. Did Mike, did you have a teacher that turned you on to comic books? Uh, no, I, not not. That one in particular, I I think Doonesbury can only be funny if you're following politics, you know, like, and, and I think I knew that as a kid, so I knew to skip over it because I wasn't, I didn't follow politics. So I knew that one wasn't going to be funny, but the other, the other comics that they're talking about really had no excuse for not being funny because none of them were, none of them seemingly ever are, but how could you be funny every day in that form? I guess maybe, you know, the Dilbert guy, you know few others, but Garfield wasn't particularly I mean, I don't know. Our grandparents found a way to find those comics funny. Maybe <laughs> we're just pussies. Hey, hey, you know what? That's what it was. Is That was five minutes of your day where you didn't have to be an adult and you could still be reading the newspaper. I think <laughs> that was the crack in the toughness armor. I said, I'm just going to look at this for a while because I don't feel like being an adult. For <laughs> uh, So uh, did you guys have a favorite cartoon strip? As children or as now as adults to varying degrees? I really liked Kathy and Charlie Brown. Um, oh, yeah. Charlie Brown's good. Yeah. For better or worse was good stuff, too. And Garfield, I think I had a real strong connection to Garfield because I remember I had a Garfield sleeping bag. And that thing lived a long life. Mm. That would do it. And somebody bought that for you and you had no idea, probably. And so you just sort of grew into loving Garfield. Probably, yeah. Probably. Well, I graduated up from my Holly hobby, which I don't know who the fuck gave me that. <laughs> well, they never had a uh, a Heathcliff sleeping bag, so you couldn't get the competing That's right. product, I don't think. That's too he- bad because the fish skeleton matching pillow would have been pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> the Heathcliff merchandising never seemed to really take off. And wasn't, uh, there, wasn't Clifford showing up in, in comic strips too? Was he? I don't know. I mean, I was a big Clifford fan, but that's because I grew up with poor, uh, well, let's not say poor. Let's say a distracted parent and uh, no cable. So I loved me some Clifford. I loved me some Arthur. I loved those shows probably into ages well beyond when I should have loved those shows. Those are PBS shows, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, and for me, it was less about the actual comic strips and more about the tv shows like i always love the crossovers because I, I i lived by the smurfs all that stuff those shows sure. were the bomb um mike did you enjoy any particular lithographs from your childhood <sighs> yes uh one i i did like uh family circus but only because i liked the the <laughs> at once a week when when uh, the one kid would get crawl in the mud and then you'd see everywhere he went all over the neighborhood. <laughs> I like that one. Um, I, th- I hated all the serialized ones. Those ones, I, I cause there was like a whole block of them. There were like five of them and, and they took up a lot of space that could have been taken up with pictures of like, you know, 
animals and kids, you know, like all those adults kind of whatever the serialized ones those made me pretty angry mainly because they just took up inventory. Mm. Right. Uh, we used to get the newspaper for free in college, the New York times and the local paper in Buffalo. So, um, we'd read them every day. I wish I read the paper now like I did then, but I refused to get into a New York times subscription issue. Like what Andrew's dealt with for months and months and months. Um, but the only reason we liked Family Circus in the student newspaper newsroom is because every single day we would pin it up somewhere and draw a, a, a crosshair on it. This goes counter to everything I'm saying about hating guns <laughs> earlier in this episode. Right. But, see who you'd kill yep. that day. Yep. You take the circle and use it as the scope and see if anyone lands dead center. On oh, it. Jeffy. Oh, man. If you Took could hit Jeffy, that's a, that's a good day for family. <laughs> right. oh, no. Yeah, leave dad alone. Dad's fine, man. He's got a lot on his plate. You can't kill dad. Who's going to provide for all these? <laughs> but that pain in the ass, Jeffy. Absolutely. Yeah. Take um, out. Also, I love Dilbert from a young age, like way mm. too young to understand the monotony of drone office life. I had Dilbert books. It's the only comic where that happened for me. Like I didn't read, I guess I'm too young for Archie to really land for me, but, um, I didn't get any of those and I wasn't into superheroes. So I didn't do yeah. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, any of that. Um, but I had Dilbert books and I thought they were hilarious. Probably just because there was a dog and his tie was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked for me. Sure. And, and now still, uh, somebody just, you know, for this year bought me a Dilbert page a day calendar and I still sit there and chuckle. Ah, marketing really is just liquor and guessing, isn't it? <laughs> did you ever watch the Dilbert TV show? I did. And that was painful i know so did i it was bad <laughs> and then of course the drew carey show which is basically just an yeah. extended Dilbert oh, cartoon. It's, i never made that connection you're so right oh yeah oh yeah he i think he even had a dilbert like plush toy in his cubicle on the show <laughs> it was very intentional mm-hmm. now see i always made the connection that archie and scooby-doo were similar i felt like some of the characters kind of felt similar to me you know minus oh. that there weren't any big dogs but I'm really glad you, you, you guys brought up Archie because I, yeah, I, I had a lot of Archie stuff and, uh, I love, I love that. And when, uh, Andrew was talking about liking Jughead and why couldn't, he kind of wanted to be a Jughead at his high school or whatever, like be the weird dude that, but nobody cares, you know, the weird dude who wears the weird hat, who eats all the hamburgers and no one bullies. They just accept him as cool. So, I was thinking, like, Jughead eats the hamburgers. Andrew ate sausages every day. Mm. But but he didn't live in the Archie comics, so therefore he got bullied. And it sucks. Mm. You know? When you want to you wanna kind of live in that world just a little bit. Yeah. Wear the silly, stupid crown hat and eat your sausage every day. And instead, you know, instead of everyone thinking, hey, that's our guy. Everyone thinks, oh, let's bully that dude. Right. Yeah. And he also says the same thing about Ducky. Right. And, and this is, this is the TV movie. I bet cartoon. Ducky ate tacos every day. We just never, there was all outtakes and all, all that dude ate was tacos all the time. And now he just eats royalty checks from CBS. I know, dude is rich. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the thing is, that's the sensationalized nerd, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I was a pretty nerdy, outcasty kid. I wasn't even cool enough to be a band nerd. I didn't play anything. I was in chorus, but like, mm there were enough of us. And that was a point made here. Mm-hmm. Like right. at least in chorus, there's like 60 of you. 
And even the cool kids you find out later weren't that cool. And so I was able to sort of pass. And by junior year in high school, I found my friends, but they were all seniors and we were all weird together. But, um, you do, you have to find that group. And when you can't find that group, it's impossible. You're never going to be the one super weirdo who is just accepted as, Oh, that's our eccentric. Uh, that's that rare. doesn't happen in the real world. No. Kim, how did you fit in in high school? I was a bit of a mess, to be honest. Um, I, I was kind of trying to find connection to people. And to be honest, I was, I was the one that everybody wanted to have sex with. Um, if I'm just kind of putting it out there. And so that was a hard place to kind of come out of because I had a lot of guy friends, but I didn't have a lot of female friends. Um, so, so that was a hard space to be in. I, I, sh- I sure thought I was cool. College, I kind of figured it out that there's more to life than, um, just being available in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't feel smart, and um, and I I didn't feel cool. That's for sure. And I remember having a friend. Um, this was like in junior high, who reminded me of. Well, I don't know if I can call him a friend, but he reminded me of Anthony Michael Hall. You know, the the nerd from Sixteen Candles. Mm-hmm. And I remember like really wanting to bully him because, like, I was like, "Oh, this is what you do with these kind of guys." <laughs> <laughs> And, just instinct. Right? I saw this on TV. This is how this works. Right. And I just remember, you know, just giving him shit for something. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, you're right. What am I doing? <laughs> so I stopped it and I had like tons of respect. And that was like a really turning point for me to just see this isn't what you do with people who are hurting in their own way. Is it possible you were living in an after school space? <laughs> so many of them, right? Yep. Uh, and I just want to comfort you with this um i was a person in high school that no one wanted to have sex Uh, with and it wasn't any easier (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh uh so (laughs) we should talk about so they tease the story about andrew eating sausage for lunch which we do get in later episodes Mm -hmm. and it's just as i don't know that it needs to be elaborated on it's it's exactly what it sounds like and it's depressing um now, though, I mean, if you brought a cool lunch, maybe get away with that because kids pack cooler lunches now than sandwiches and a bag of chips. But it was probably just ahead of his time with the sausages. Um, he tells a very specific story of being bullied in fourth grade yeah. by having poison ivy rubbed all over his stomach on the back of the bus, which is just terrible. I did laugh. Only when he said he was allergic to poison ivy because I wanted to say we're kind of all allergic to poison <laughs> ivy. That's, it's right there in the name. <laughs> but perhaps he is especially allergic to poison ivy. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just glimpses into why he was a moody smoker in high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed, as you mentioned earlier, Luke giving him a pep talk and telling him how he must have really gotten the nose up because he seems to be a friendly and functional member of society now. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> I want to, before we go back to the volleyball, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the transition into that and talk of being alone was really interesting because I also sometimes crave being alone. Um, it doesn't happen a ton, but once in a while you just want 
your own private space. And I get that. And once in a while, I dream of taking a few days and just sort of getting out of my own head a little bit. Um, and I'm actually doing this next month. I just booked it. I'm taking a, a trip to Texas. Um, I had a, uh, uh, gift, a birthday present of timeshare time from my mother who should not have a timeshare. Uh, and I couldn't figure out a good way to use it. And I finally found a resort in Texas that had some space available and Sam's busy. So I'm going alone and I'm going to do some sightseeing and visit some people, but I'm also going to take a couple of days and sleep and eat and read a book and probably drink Bukowski esque just a little bit. And, uh, just drive around in a rental car and and do that because it's been a long time since I've had a chance to really just reset. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and I'll go live my Walden thorough dream only Texas instead of by a lake, uh, a pond, Walden Pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll go back home and I'll go back to the pile of work that built up while I was gone and I'll be back to normal. But I totally get those urges once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something really magical about, you know, you're the one who's who's calling the shots, and you can just really listen and not compromise and just go after, you know, wherever you feel called to go. I'm 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 kind of in in a place of transition. You know, I mentioned my wife earlier, and actually, um, about two weeks ago, I made the really 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 difficult decision to, um, to ask us um, for us to split up, and so I'm at this place of um, looking at you know, what my future is. And I've been feeling this call to go to Santa Fe. I, I do personal work. Um, I I'm calling it or I'm embracing it as my shaman self, you know, kind of native American traditional, uh, sort of holding space so that people can see themselves and see how they want to be a different version of themselves or a more truer version of themselves. So Santa Fe just, I feel that call. And so I've had some unique opportunities, recently like this past weekend when I was at that wedding where I just did whatever the F I wanted and it was so different. And that's not to say that, you know, being in a relationship again, isn't in my future. Um, and, uh, it's, it's been amazing to kind of feel this new space of, I'm curious, I'm going to go over here and I don't have to ask anybody or I don't have to consider anybody. It's, it's, it's an interesting place. Yeah. This, for me, it's not about having the ball and chain off for a week. It's about, the fact that I might sleep in and then read for a little while and then order chicken wings and eat them in bed and use the top sheet as a napkin. Oh my God. It's, no, I would never do that. That's a terrible thing. But like, you know, it's, it's just, um, not having an agenda for a couple of days and not having to consult anyone about what to do or what you want to do. Like, um, even though Sam and I are very copacetic and, yeah. and really see eye to eye on things like there's just something very liberating about being able to waste a couple of days. Um, and you know, I'll pack Wilson. Oh my God. Don't do that. If I see Wilson in your fucking hotel room, dude, <laughs> we're done. Speaking of Wilson, this is, this maybe isn't the exact transition, but, um, are you guys familiar with Hubbard street dance company? Not me. No, I am not. So it's it, maybe it's Chicago based, but um, so they're a dance company and Second City. They've been doing this for a couple of years now, where they merge the two. So they bring dancers and and the comedians together. And there's this one piece um, in this performance this couple weekends ago where you see this guy walking up to this woman who's kind of like turned to the side, and you know he's kind of 
adjusting his shirt like he's going out on a date and you're like what i don't get this so he goes up to this woman who seems like she's fallen asleep and he picks up her toe and he starts blowing into it and she turns into a blow-up doll and he goes on a date with this woman as a blow-up doll it was so amazing so you know the the dance component of it you know she has to dance around with him as though she's Mm -hmm. you know this blown up doll you know her face in the the open position and and then he's like okay well we went on a dance well now it's time for sexy times and so he he goes to lay her down and she deflates so he's got to blow her back up (laughs) (laughs) it was so funny because you're just caught off by surprise you don't know that that's what's coming oh god it was amazing (laughs) amazing it's getting a little warm in here so uh i may need to ask that we move on. Sure. <laughs> um, just quick housekeeping. Um, a plug for the archive project. I am no Christie, uh, but if you are interested in helping archive current episodes or you are currently archiving, and thank you if you're currently archiving, we appreciate it. Uh, let us know. Uh, reach out through the website or reach out to Christy. Um, I wanted to share a note that Kevin Farewell, of all people, archived this episode, uh, 1035, for us. And I want to read the description he wrote. This is not an exemplary description. It's just a particularly funny one. You shouldn't necessarily aspire archivists to write quite like this. Um, but in an episode filled with such sim- uh, sincerity from Kim and to a certain extent from us, I thought we could balance that out with uh, some farewell who is never sincere. Uh, Kevin writes recording all this week from the Cairo recording closet. The guys start out with Luke making New Hampshire, Andrew's official moniker and Andrew is not sure if he approves. We all know how that turned out. Luke is in at 190 and Andrew tells how his pants are cutting into his belly. and kept him awake during dinner last <laughs> week. Pizza Roulette gets its first mention, and the discussion turns to Andrew's childlike palate. Somewhere, Frizzell is getting mad at Andrew's hatred for cheese on this episode. Luke, Luke is an early member of the dubious about gluten and allergy club. Well, soft Andy doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Of course, from my time machine, I know that 98% of gluten allergies are just a hubristic cry for attention from oversensitive effets. I know effet is an adjective, but I'm going to use it as a noun. It's called artistic license. Get over it. Sorry, I'm a little cranky today. <laughs> the guys talk about how unfunny the comics of their youth were. They tease the sausage for lunch story and tell of how brutal Andrew's youth was. Closing song was Cult from You Know What I Mean. It was okay, but I'm not big into music. I'm more a fan of porn and cured meats. Not at the same time, of course, (laughs) usually. Wow. Uh, So thank you, Kevin. And when that episode gets reassigned, somebody please write a straight recap. (laughs) Yeah, it's not not terrible, but it's it's sort of too personal. Yeah, a little bit. Um. At LittleRedBandWagon.com, you'll find a link to buy stickers, both LRB stickers and 10 stickers. You'll also find a link for our Amazon link, bookmark it, buy all your shit through Amazon with it. We get a cut. We get the VIG. Uh, not from you, but from Amazon. So help us steal a little bit of uh, their money and give it to us. Uh, also, there is a TENS map now, and it is pinned to the top of our STENS page, or rather pinned to the top of the Little Red Bandwagon page. Um, add yourself to it. 
and let Google and the world stalk you and all other tens. You don't have to give your exact address. Just your city is plenty. Um, Mike, I'll just roll through, get involved. Facebook, Stens, and Little Red Bandwagon. Our Twitter's LRB Podcasting. Kim, plug that website again. KimMarson.com. That's K-I-M, another M-A-R-S-I-N.com. And we guarantee you will not get cat no. rolled at KimMarson.com. Really, you won't. But there's a lot of cool stuff she's doing, and it's all there. And we haven't had time to get into any of it. Uh, email us at LittleRedBandwagon at gmail.com. Uh, or leave us a voicemail at Little Red Bandwagon is a place to be. Call and talk to Meredith or Christy, Bobby, Jeremy, Ann or Mike. They won't make you take a hike. 802-432-TBTL. 802-432-8285. And with that... uh Mike, do you which side of this do you want? I'll I'll take the Christy side, but first before I do wrap it up, thank you, Kim. Appreciate sure. you being on. Um, I if someone wants to listen to the end, I realize I forgot to tell a story about the only time in my life when I was bullied by anyone besides my mm-hmm. brother. Um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, until next time, this is the next party, and we love you, Jen, uh, and we love you too, Andrew. Really. Nailed it, motherfuckers. I like that one even better. (laughs) (laughs) From the wedding officiant who vibes love. (laughs) And you got to tell us your bullying story, Mike. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I was a junior in high school at Interlake in Bellevue. And um, me and my friends, we all took this advanced PE class, which meant that you just pretty much played a sport all hour. You never had to like take tests or really learn anything. So uh, there was a guy named Russ. He was a senior and he was pretty burly dude. And I was a real skinny dude. And he would like push me around like on the basketball court. And, you know, and what really made him mad is he wasn't very good at sports. Let's face it. The guy wasn't very good and the skinny kids were just kicking his ass. And I was one particularly skinny kid who had a little bit of a smart mouth. So he would push me around a little bit and I didn't like it. And, uh, his friend Dan Sergison sometimes tried to like egg it on, like try to make us fight or something. And I got the feeling Russ would have been pretty down with that. And it, and it might have happened except for, uh, I kind of got the drop on him one one night. I worked at a restaurant called Pizza Haven, and I worked as a cook, as a pizza maker. And uh, I saw Russ come in, Russ and Dan, and I ducked away because I just I didn't know. I just made me nervous. I was like, "Fucking this guy's got to I got to see him outside of school." So uh, he didn't see me on his way in, and they sat down because it was a sit down pizza restaurant, and. They sat down, Nate, and like 45 minutes later, he is walking out, and I decide I'm just going to step up to the front of the kitchen and just give him a big smile and wave. And he he turned white because he was immediately thinking, what did this motherfucker do to my food? So I got to drop on my bully. Nice work. Thanks. There's a happy ending to a bullying story for once. Nice. That I can't hold back The feeling that you give me Wanna give it right back
at this particular game I need to know the rules if you want me to play Okay. 